You're listening to The Underground Podcast, a platform to inspire, encourage, and stir up kingdom mission. Our aim is to resource you, the listener, with discussions that empower your calling to follow Jesus in every unique context of life. On today's episode, I'm joined by Brian Sanders, the founder and executive director of The Underground Network. Brian, I've been kind of helping, you know, read your book and edit your new book, and there's a chapter... Much appreciated. Thanks. Um, there's a chapter I think that really stuck out to me, really, um, really spiked my interest was the the chapter that you wrote on missional sacraments and uh, just this idea that, you know, kind of for each time in each community, uh, we can determine what those things are. But there are communities that have had sacraments like Catholics have certain sacraments, uh, Protestants have certain sacraments that they do. Um, but I think you really kind of touched on five missional sacraments that are important to our body of work um, in, in this time in this community. And I just wanted to kind of pick your brain on that and hear your thoughts um, about those. Yeah, I think it's an interesting question even just to ask um, what those are for us. Maybe even every church or every generation should ask the question. Uh, sacrament would be defined as some practice instituted by Jesus that is an efficacy sign of grace. It always has grace in it. So in other words, when we do this thing, this practice that Jesus gave us, there is grace implicit in the doing, regardless of motive, for example, or skill with mm-hmm. which it's done. So something like preaching would maybe not fit that category because if it isn't done with the right motive and if it isn't done with skill it may not have any grace in it Mm. but something like communion would be a a sacrament that both protestants and catholics agree on it's like every time you do it Mm -hmm. there is heaven touching earth somehow so as missionaries in a missionary community, it's just an interesting question and something I've been wrestling with for the last maybe three or four months. Do we have our own sacraments? Right. Do we have – what What are ours? So mm. the Catholics have seven. Protestants traditionally have two, baptism and communion. What about us? You know, do we what, – what, what would our answer be to the question of – practices instituted by Jesus that always seem to have grace for us. And so I've come up with five, and that's that's the chapter you're referring to that you read. And, and it seems to stand that if these, as your definition, you said if these things are always delivering grace, it's something that we want to do often, that we'd want to do continually. Why right? wouldn't you? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. If, they, if no matter your skill level that they're always bringing in grace. So what are, like, it's very freeing, too, to think right. about, wait, there's a thing that I can do, and if I do it, even if I do it poorly, mm-hmm. people will meet God in it. Yeah, that's, need some of that. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's very exciting for the, the novice missionary or right. the the unskilled um, workman. So do you remember what they all were? I yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So you uh, you laid out five and uh, and in this order, but you said the ordination of elders and then the communion table, mm-hmm. um, repentance and reconciliation was three, yeah. and then incarnation was four, and then lastly with proclamation. Yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well, um, 
I think I started with ordination, but ordination, I don't necessarily mean that in the sense of the ordaining of elders, although that is a symbol of what I mean. So, of course, we ordain elders because we have such a simple ecclesiology. We're just saying, look, whenever there's worship, community, and mission happening in one place, that's the church. And once you say that, once you decide, okay, that's a very simple definition of church. So you don't need a building. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a, a budget. You don't need um, vestments. You don't. You, you just need those three things. And when those three things are happening, that's the church. We're saying, okay, then a lot of things we weren't calling church before might be the church. And actually some things we are calling church isn't if it doesn't meet that, mm-hmm. that minimum but then, at least the way I read the New Testament, um, churches should be led by elders, which is a significant thing because eldership is based on character. It's not based on gifting. Mm. So I don't have to have one gift or another. I, I may be very a very boring speaker, for example. I have no charisma in my leadership, mm. but I could still be an elder. Or the converse of that, you could be you know, an electric communicator. Uh, but not not meet the standard, like the character standard mm-hmm. for eldership. So we're saying, okay, churches should be led by elders. Churches are very sim- simple things, actually, but they should always be led by elders. So as soon as we say that, then we're talking about we're talking about a lot of people are elders right. or should be held to the standard of elders or I don't know, empowered by the identity of being an elder. Mm-hmm. It's like the democratization of mm-hmm. eldership or leadership in the church. And ordination, that idea seems so high church. You know, it seems so, I don't know, special. You're, wow, you're ordained or <laughs> right. something. Like like now we've separated ourselves from the, 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 the rank and file, common the common people. everyday mm-hmm. person. Like I'm ordained, you're not, you know. Mm-hmm. But the word, the sort of the etymology of the word is just about order. So putting things in their proper place, putting things in order. So if if in every single community that God is forming through, through a spirit, there's somebody that's a little older, and that's what the word that that original word there just means older, mm-hmm. older person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what is an elder? An elder is the older person. Done or, it longer. Yes, yeah. it's just a matter of maturity. <laughs> right. So, in every community that God forms through His Spirit, mm-hmm. that is the church that has those three things functioning. Somebody's been doing it a little longer. Mm-hmm. Someone has more maturity, and that person actually is already the elder of that community. Even if that person is 20 years old or 25 years old or something like that. Sure. So right. so if you're, if you're working with 12-year-olds mm-hmm. and you're 25, you're the older. You're clearly <laughs> the elder. Right. Although I know some 25-year-olds that Maybe may not, not be as mature <laughs> as some 12-year-olds. Right. We call that adult adolescent syndrome. <laughs> but, you know, ma- right. maturity is the issue, right. right? Not age per se. Although, you know, often it is related to age because whatever, you're older Presumably, hopefully, you have more maturity. Mm-hmm. But um, putting that person, those people who already hold that position, right? So we, we've come to the conclusion that we don't we don't ordain people. We, mm-hmm. n- no one gave us that kind of authority. Right. I don't have that kind of authority. You don't. Mm-hmm. And we're not attached to some kind of denominational form that, that can somehow, you know, Petrine succession give us this mm. this authority to say who is and who is not anything, right. right? So what are we doing? We're just confirming what we see, and that is helpful actually. 
And so when I talk about ordination as a, as a sacrament for us missionally, what I mean is the people who God has called to lead and actually gifted to lead or actually put in a position to lead, who actually hold the character that others look up to, mm-hmm. and not just leadership, but I mean just holding the standard of the scriptures and, and an obedient, surrendered life, mm-hmm. um, those people should be called out. They should be uh, recognized Mm -hmm. for who they are. So when I say ordination, that's what I mean. I mean saying to what what maybe other forms of church or community would not give title to, Mm -hmm. we want to give that. We want to say, look, this is who you are. You're you're an apostle. You're uh, an evangelist. You're Mm -hmm. a a teacher. You're an elder Mm -hmm. in God's church. So ordination for me is not just about eldership. It's also about calling out people mm-hmm. and saying you're a leader. It's affirmation. Right. And that is, I think, something Jesus did. Yeah. Something he's asking us to do in his name. And like that transferring of authority mm-hmm. through title, through name. Mm-hmm. And would you say leaders do better or... I feel this sense of affirmation in what they're doing, but maybe they were not given that in another space, another church, because what they were doing was not seen as church. Right. Well, that's the problem is that even our even our our perception of something like ordination is so elitist, mm-hmm. right? It's there's not there's only a few people that can be that. Right. And you have to go through a great gauntlet to get that. And because it's expensive and it's takes a lot of time and uh, those people are going to hold on to that, the rights and privileges of that. Mm-hmm. And, and and they're just not going to want everyone to have it. This is the problem with, um, I don't know, grasping leadership, which is something that Jesus said don't do. Mm-hmm. And it's what the Gentiles do, right? Um, we're just not supposed to do that. We're supposed to freely share mm-hmm. leadership uh, or at least acknowledge what God has called you to do this, to be this. And there's just a lot more people who are called in Jesus' name to lead someone than would ever go through some sort of formal ordination. But I think every time we call out, man, you're 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 doing this, you're called to this, God is, you know, I don't know, affirming or confirming. We see that in you. That's ordination. It's a form of ordination, and we should be way more liberal with it than mm-hmm. we've ever been. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily making an argument for everyone getting pointy hats and going <laughs> through long processionals right. and with incense and so on. Although I don't hate that idea, frankly. I mean, if you take ordinary people and say, I- I'm not talking about these special people. I'm talking about, I'm talking about, uh, you know. I don't know, Erica Cannon in her neighborhood standing between two groups of people who are trying to have a gang fight in the street, and she steps in and says no Mm -hmm. in Jesus' name, which happened. Right. So who is Erica? What is she doing on her block? Uh, To me, she represents the authority of God and his kingdom in that moment, but also on the street in general. And somebody ought to tell her. I mean, maybe we should have some sort of processional for her where she's told and— reminded through the ceremony of that, that you're significant and you have been given authority. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, this is, 
the implications of Matthew 28. Mm-hmm. The commission comes with authority. Go make disciples because all authority has been given to me. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm transferring that to you. I'm sharing that with you. Mm-hmm. And I want you to walk in it, carry it. People don't, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Most Christians feel that they're not ordained to do anything. Mm-hmm. And this is a great tragedy because now we have this kind of sleeping giant we we have a church of people that are passive that are spectators that think that their their job is to just go and work and make money and fund ordained people Um, Yeah, you mentioned that as a part of um the sacrament as well as that really in the releasing of that power in the giving of that authority you're releasing people to do mission where they would not have maybe felt empowered to do that um and, and that's needed. That that needs, system needs to change in order for us to really see kingdom happen in the world. Um, yes, and, and you know, I've talked at length in a, at other places about permission. You know, we need to give people permission. But I think ordination is maybe a step beyond that, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. not just saying you can do this, you're allowed mm-hmm. to do this, which mm-hmm. still implies what? I'm the one, somebody more important than you, somebody with real authority is telling you you're allowed to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, at one level... Uh, when God has called a person to do it, I, th- I think of like Pentecost, you know, Acts 2, where Peter stands up and preaches. Peter was not asking anybody, can I preach right now? Right. Or uh, am I allowed to? He wasn't looking for permission. Mm-hmm. He was he was, he was, was filled with the authority of God to do what he was supposed to do in that moment. So even when we say, look, we need to give people permission, I just think that's one step towards what I'm talking about here is this sacramental practice of ordination which is no actually we're not it's not even my place to give you permission (laughs) because i I guess i can affirm you already have permission Mm -hmm. from god and i want to um maybe by faith confirm that over you and say yeah this is real and this authority is real now bear in mind Ordination comes with responsibility. So there's freedom in that. There's an empowerment in that. But there's also responsibility. That, that's mm-hmm. the sort of two wings of the plane here. Mm-hmm. It also means now you're held to a very high standard. Right. And your life and witness now counts and matters in a way it maybe didn't before you understood that identity. Uh, you just can't uh, you can't make a, a mess of it, so to speak. You, you represent uh, this kingdom, which is now on your lips and on your tongue and... Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you can't fail, but it means that there is a standard. You know, th- I, when I think of when I think of eldership, going circling back to that idea. You know, it's it's a person who's who sort of leads their family well. It's a person who um, can handle the word of God that understands you know basic Christian Orthodox doctrine. You know, a person that um, cares for the poor, practices hospitality. Um, you know. Okay, yeah, you're you're empowered. Mm-hmm. This is this powerful authority and yeah. identity, but that comes with responsibility. Mm-hmm. I think you used the word uh, you said there is freedom, but accountability mm-hmm. in the ordination because and, exactly. and that leaders work best in that in that situation, given the freedom and accountability to lead. Good leaders love both. Mm-hmm. Good leaders want; they crave both. Mm-hmm. No, no good leader wants freedom without accountability mm-hmm. and nobody wants accountability without freedom true um if you do you something's probably wrong with you <laughs> yeah um so kind of moving on to the communion table 
I think that's a common one that we know, but maybe speak more on that and why that one's really important and how we can see that play out in like an everyday life situation. Well, I mentioned in the book, uh, I reference, you know, David Fitch's beautiful book, Faithful Presence, and in it he also talks about the table, the Eucharist, um, communion, as it, as happening in three spaces. So he has these this circles, these three circles, open, closed, and then like a semicircle, I think. And he's saying, you know, communion happens in that formal setting, which is in a church. This is what we know. You pass the plate or you go forward or whatever you do, and you take this little token of bread and this mm-hmm. token of the wine. Um, and I, I don't, I, how, how can I say for sure, but I think everybody's had some sort of, people have had experiences at the communion table mm-hmm. in that formal setting where it's not hard to see and it's, it would be hard to deny that something's going on there spiritually, this ancient connection. And I always think about all over the world, whenever we do, because every time we gather as a missionary community, we do that. And all over the world, in every stream of Christianity, this is the one thing we do. It's the one thing we all do. Mm-hmm. And it's the only ritual that Jesus instituted. He was not fond of rituals. <laughs> he was not. He was not interested in right. his people creating a new law. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, this one he gave us. This, this, well, this thing I want you to do this exact way. It's a, it's a, it's a Passover gesture, mm-hmm. right? And of course, even that's beautiful because you think about, you know, how does the Passover seder begin? It begins with that question. How is this night different from all other nights? It's a question of memory. Um, we're 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 activating our collective memory when we come to the table. We're remembering something very critical because, and I make this point too. You, you can't remember everything Jesus ever did. So he he's saying, look, go and teach Matthew twenty eight. Go and teach all that I've. Mm-hmm commanded to obey all that I've commanded you but when you gather you can't teach everything but you can remember this one thing Mm. that my body was broken my blood was shed for you for the forgiveness of sin Mm. it's like uh, an anchor Mm -hmm. you can never sort of go very far from that core truth which reminds us that we are sinners it reminds us that God is loving towards us generous it reminds us that the kingdom comes through sacrifice right Mm. It's so profound. Right. All of it's very profound. But he, you know, so there's that there's that formal setting which we've all experienced grace there. But then Fitch is also saying, look, in our homes, mm-hmm. when we share these me- this meal to any meal together, right. and we remember the body and blood of Jesus mm-hmm. in the breaking of the bread, He is also present there, and that is also Eucharist. Mm-hmm. That is also the Thanksgiving. So it's it is a it can be. It, it wouldn't necessarily be, but it can right, be, can be. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a remembrance of the Lord's death. Yeah, which is really a powerful image because of how often we do that. We do that. How yes. often we eat? <laughs> yes, and 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 what what genius mm-hmm. by Jesus mm-hmm. that he would attach himself ritualistically to something we do every day, right? Multiple times a day that we need to do every day to survive. To and that, and that what makes communities survive mm-hmm. is that they eat together. Mm-hmm. They share life around a table. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even our table around our house, 
It's always people there. I mean, always. so I'm I'm just I'm just thinking of thousands of meals that mm-hmm. I've had around that table mm-hmm. with all kinds of people and all of the the wonder of that. All of the you know, there's been evangelism, there's been healing, there's been arguments, mm-hmm. there's been laughter, tears. there's been tears. <laughs> there's all that all that happens around that table and that too is communion. That right. also is the communion table and that's mm-hmm. that's sacramental. It can be. It should be sacramental. Mm-hmm. And then Fitch is given this third kind of uh, space, potential where communion happens, which is this open space where we're in the world somewhere. We're on mission. And we're actually a guest at someone else's table. Mm. Um, I don't know, eating in a restaurant or sitting at another person's table. And even there, it is possible to remember the body and blood of Jesus and to to to... to consecrate that mm-hmm. moment um and and he is he is to be discerned there as well like the the road to Emmaus story where it's in the breaking of the bread that they their eyes are opened and likewise in all three of these these forms of communion our eyes are opened to the truth about Jesus and the reason why I love uh, and, and appreciate Fitch's three categories because I think, well, that that is that has been our experience in the underground. Mm-hmm. That I'm just trying to figure out what are our, what are our sacraments, what are our missional sacraments, and I have to say, yeah, communion is one of them, but not just in the first traditional sense, but in all three senses. All three senses yeah. yeah. This was episode one, part one of the Underground Podcast. Brian and I look forward to talking more about missional sacraments on part two of this podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at UndergroundVox to catch our next episode. And thank you for listening.